If you have your Bibles, open them with me to Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10, starting at verse 18. On my account, you will be brought before governors and kings as witnesses to them and to the Gentiles. But when they arrest you, do not worry about what to say or how to say it. At that time, you will be given what to say, for it will not be you speaking, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. Let's go down to verse 26. Actually, no, let's, uh, let me keep reading. I'm going to go to 22. Brother will betray brother to death and a father his child. Children will rebel against their parents and have them put to death. All men will hate you because of me. But he who stands firm to the end will be saved. Hey, Melina, good to see you. Verse 26, so do not be afraid of them. There is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. What I tell you in the dark, speak in the daylight. What is whispered in your ear, proclaim from the roofs. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for, the, for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from the will of your father. And even the very hairs on your head are numbered. So don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Whoever acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge him before my Father in heaven. And I felt like um, if you don't know why the scripture is relevant, you might find out in the coming days. Um, because, you know, I know there are people in a situation where standing trial for your faith is actually a reality. And when I read this scripture, it reminds me of something important, a bunch of things that are important. First of all, you know, when the Bible says to count it all joy when you go through persecutions, you know, the reason is because you're doing the will of God. Because you, you're, you're participating in exactly what Jesus participated in, that he said, they're going to hate you on account of me. And the Bible says that, that, that the same way that, that Jesus was persecuted, that so will we for our faith. And I know that not every country is equal. I, I've, I've come to realize that. I've come to realize that there are some countries, because of their laws, because of their government, whatever the case, that it, 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 it's a little bit more favorable to be a Christian. And then in other countries, it's a lot less favorable. And, I, and, and, and one thing that's important to note is to never look at any of those countries and say, man, I wish that was us. They're so lucky. They don't have to worry about anything. It's so easy for them. They always get good news. You know, rather than say that, I think to myself, did the children of God always require perfectly favorable conditions in order to, in order to thrive? Did they always require uh, the, the government to be on their side? The government was never on their side. You know, <laughs> Jesus is reminding us in this passage that when there are, you're in a situation where you have to stand before rulers and authority, that, that the Holy Spirit is going to tell you what to speak, that he's going to give you the words to speak. And, it, and he goes on to remind you not to worry about, about any of these people that you might be standing before. Because what's important is to know that you did the right thing according to what the scripture says. And knowing that you stood for your faith. 
And any consequences of standing for your faith shouldn't be seen as a bad thing, but rather be seen as as a badge of honor and say, I did something for the Lord that prompted me to have trouble in the world. But don't worry about getting in trouble with the world. Just, Just like what Jesus said. Let me read that again. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. So in other words, what Jesus is saying, just remember something. You might be looking for the easy way out here on earth, but it's not going to end up that way for the rest of eternity. He says, whoever acknowledges me before men, I will acknowledge him before my father in heaven. So if you're a person tonight who, who you might have to find yourself in a situation to answer to the courts or to answer to a judge, count it all joy and know that if our master Jesus went through that same thing, count it all joy. Um, and it, you know, it's not always the most pleasant of circumstances and it's not always the, the kind of circumstances where, I mean, <laughs> you probably don't wake up in the morning and say, you know what? I want to be, uh, um, <laughs> that's right. Exactly. Lynn, I, I, I don't want to be bothered today or, or, you know, uh, they're like, you know what? I think I want to go to jail today. Yeah. That would be pretty fun. Of course not. You know, of course not. You know, Lynn mentioned Brother Francois. You know, he he do, he's doing what he thinks is right. And he's kind of taking the bullet for a lot of people. Um, and, you know, the, Jesus is, is reminding us again. Like, read Matthew chapter 10, the whole thing. I, I don't, I'm not going to read the whole thing because I have other stuff I want to get to. But he's basically saying, you know, there's a reward that comes uh, um, um, for people who might face persecution on, on earth. So don't look at it as a bad thing. Say, listen, I took a stand for my faith and there might be some earthly consequences, but even if there are, I know God's going to take care of me. What does it say? The very hairs on your head are all numbered. Just think about that. Think about how precious you are to God. Think about how precious you are to the Father, how much He loves you, how much He he cares for you. Don't be afraid. You're worth more than many sparrows. If God takes care of the birds of the air and he, he knows them, how much more does he know you? You know, we're, we're people made in his image. You know, and that's how you know that when you see gods of other religions, how you know they're not real gods. They have like three heads, like six arms. They're like partially, uh, um, uh, you know, dragon, half horse. I don't even know what they are. That's how you know they're not true gods because the Bible says that we are made in his image. So what does a person look like? That's how you know what, what the image is. Um, so anyways, I just, I just felt like sharing that. I think it's important to always be reminded that everything that you do for the Lord is counted towards you in favor. Um, and you can't serve God and go backwards. You can't serve God and lose. The Bible says that you are the head and not the tail. You are always above and never beneath. And that's something to constantly keep in mind because the things that happen in this world will try to get you off course. But you need to keep your eyes focused on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. And if he says, hey, don't worry about it. If you have to go to court, the Holy Spirit will tell you what to say. And it's, 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 as, if, it's as if God is speaking through you as, as, you, as you stand there um, um, to speak for yourself. So I just, I just felt like sharing that. And um, anyways, let's continue. Um, let's get to, to, to my original topic, although this kind of all, it kind of all ties in, so it's all right. 
Uh, turn to turn to Second Samuel chapter five. Second Samuel chapter five. I called this message the weapons of our warfare, and this is an, 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 a very important thing um, as Christians to understand. You know, th th there is a, a, a fight that's going on. Not that not that you're constantly constantly fighting it; it never ends. But you understand that there is a fight um, um, that we are partaking in. And, you know, when you, some people look at the world and they said, oh man, this world is falling apart. No, actually, this world is falling into place according to what Bible prophecy says. So now's the time. Um, be glad that you're alive during this time and understand that we don't walk into any sort of battle alone or, or without recourse, but we walk in with weapons ready for warfare that warfare that we fight in the spiritual. So turn to uh, 2 Samuel chapter 5, starting at verse 17. Actually, no, starting at verse 6, sorry. Verse 6. The king and his men marched to Jer Jerusalem to attack the Jebusites who lived there. The Jebusites said to David, you will not get in here. Even the blind and lame can ward you off. They thought David cannot get in here. Nevertheless, David captured the fortress of Zion the city of David. On that day, David said, anyone who conquers a Jebusite will have to use the water shaft to reach those lame and blind who are David's enemies. That is why they say the blind and lame will not enter the palace. David then took up residence in the city, in the fortress and called it the city of David. He built up the area around it from the supporting terraces inward. And he became more and more powerful because God Lord, the Lord God Almighty was with him. So this is the, the, the title on top of this, this portion of scripture says, David conquers Jerusalem. And so David, despite the fact that his enemies were like, oh, he's not going to be able to get in here. He's not, he's not going to be able to come in here. You know, but nevertheless, because the Lord God Almighty was with him, he was able to conquer everything that he set out to conquer. And it says he became more and more powerful. And it wasn't something in the natural, but rather it was something in the supernatural. That thanks to God being on his side, thanking, knowing that, that, that as a result of David being a man of God, that he grew more and more powerful because of, of the fact that God was on his side. Now you might think, well, he conquered that, everything was good, um, you know, and then he lived happily ever after. No, if you keep reading, the enemy regrouped because that's what the enemy does. Because the enemy knows that 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 um, if if he could do anything to try to discourage you to tr to try to get you to retreat, he's going to keep doing that because he also knows that any man or woman filled with the power of the Holy Spirit is stronger than he'll ever be. And so he tries in every way possible to try to get you to back down, to try to get you to, to think, oh, there's no, there's no point. There's no hope. Uh, um, why do we bother? You know, it's too difficult. Um, you know, other people have it easy and we have it too difficult. And, and the enemy wants you to, to take on that attitude. Because if you take on that attitude, then you're not going to keep moving forward and you're not going to keep conquering your enemies that, that are in front of you. So despite the fact that David conquered, his enemy came back and regrouped and said, okay, all right, that one didn't work. Let's try again. So let's go to verse 17 and you're going to see what happens. 
When the Philistines heard that David had been anointed king over Israel, they went up in full force to search for him. But David heard about it and went down to the stronghold. Now the Philistines had come and spread out in the valley of Riphim. So David inquired of the Lord, Shall I go and attack the Philistines? Will you hand them over to me? And you know, the, the great thing about this, this part in the scripture is that David inquired of the Lord. Think about this. And I love this part of the story. What did it say before? That he became more and more powerful. Don't you suppose that David would have thought to himself, man, I'm so powerful. I'm anointed king over Israel. There's people that, 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 are, that are after me because I'm so strong and so powerful. Oh, the Philistines are trying to get me. I, I'm going to take them down. No, he inquired of the Lord. He understood that it was the Lord that gave him strength. He understood that, okay, I'm more powerful because the Lord God Almighty is with me. So I'm going to inquire of him of what I need to do. The Lord answered him, go, for I will surely hand the Philistines over to you. So David went to Baal-perazim and there he defeated them. He said, as waters break out, the Lord has broken out against my enemies before me. So that place was called Baal Perizim. The Phil so that place was called Baal Perizim. It means the Lord who breaks out. You know, I'll stop there for a second. When when I take time to pray, which is a lot because we need to pray. Um, it's like you know we need to constantly be uh, um, contending in the spirit on behalf of, of of everything that's happening in in the world specifically. And everything that's happening in, in this country that we live in. Um, and it says the Lord who breaks out. And, and, and I love that, that, you know, another version says the Lord bursts through. So in, in other words, it's basically saying something had to be broken through. And, and if you're thinking to yourself, man, there is a stronghold that's standing in my way. Well, understand in the same way that, that David defeated his enemies and, 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 and the Lord allowed him to break through or to burst through his enemies. Take that same posture in prayer and say, Lord, I know that you will break through these strongholds, that you will burst through these things that are standing in the way. The Philistines abandoned their idols there and David and his men carried them off. Once more, the Philistines came again. So what happened? What happened? The, 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 they were defeated. They were defeated. So did they, were they like, okay, that's it. Well, we tried and, and, and it failed. So you know what? Forget it. No, the enemy continues to regroup. So if you're asking yourself, man, every time I open the news, there's always something else. Of course there is. You think that the enemy's going to back down? You, you think that he's suddenly going to be like, well, I know that, that soon my time is coming when I'm going to, you know, when I'm going to really have some authority here and stuff like that. So, but you know what? Eh, uh, who, I don't really need to do anything anymore. There's no point. No, the enemy's going to continue to regroup. He's going to continue to try. He's going to continue to deceive people. He's going to continue to discourage people. He's going to continue to, 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 to have things set in place to try to stop and prevent what the church has been commissioned to do. So if you, if you, if you don't understand why, you know, why we, you know, you think that we, we defeated something and then there's some, exactly John, the importance of perseverance, a hundred percent. 
the enemy and and especially when there are people um, um, who are taking ground for the kingdom the, the devil he doesn't want you to do that so if it feels like there's a lot coming against you it's because you know that you're doing something for the kingdom you know that you're doing something uh, um, for Jesus or else the enemy wouldn't bother with you so once more verse 22 the Philistines came up and spread out in the valley of Rephim so oh, listen to this so David inquired of the Lord again he probably David could have easily said well I know what I did last time and it worked so I'm just gonna do that again no he inquired of the Lord and so that's why you know each time um, we see something that needs to be defeated always inquire of the Lord and say Lord how do you want you know what what should we do here you know David inquired of the Lord and listen to what God said he answered do not go straight up but circle around behind them and attack them in front of the balsam trees as soon as you hear the sound of marching in the tops of the balsam trees move quickly because that will mean the Lord has gone out in front of you to strike the Philistine army. You know, when we talk about the full armor of God in the book of Ephesians, you know, nothing is, is protecting the back. It's only forward facing. And so there's never a point where you retreat and there's never a point where the enemy surprise you from behind. It's always a point of attack moving forward. And I love what it says here. It means the Lord has gone out in front of you. Every time we go out to battle against anything that we face in the spiritual realm, the Lord has gone before us. The Lord is ahead of us. He, it says the Lord has gone out in front of you to strike the Philistine army. So David did as the Lord commanded him and he struck down the Philistines all the way from Gibeon to Gezer. And, and I just, I think that's just such an amazing story that three times you see David conquering and all the times he inquired of the Lord, all the times he understood, well, wait, I know that the Lord goes before me and God gave him very specific instructions. And I'm going to talk about three points that I want to bring out from this story. Number one, we know that the Lord has gone before us. Number one, we know the Lord has gone before us. Um, when it said, when, when, when God gave David very specific instructions, you know, it, it would have been easy uh, uh, for David to say, like I said before, oh, I'm just going to do my thing because I, I, I'm David and I'm, I'm the best and I'm the best fighter and I conquered all these things. And so I'm just going to, no, he inquired of the Lord. The Lord gave him specific instructions and it says the Lord has gone in front of you. So you, we're not facing any kind of battle empty handed. You know, the, God has gone before us. God is with us. What does it say? That David was more and more powerful because the Lord God Almighty was with him. The moment, the moment that you came into covenant with God, that you made a decision that you said, Lord, I'm going to serve you. I'm going to follow you all the days of my life. I'm in covenant with you. It's a guarantee now that you have the Lord God Almighty on your side, that you know that he goes before you. So th there's no need to be afraid. There's no need to worry. Just like in that scripture I read in Matthew, where Jesus said, don't be afraid of them. Don't be afraid of anyone who can kill the body. 
Go, look, please God first and he'll take care of you. Just as he takes care of the birds of the air, so will he take care of his children. Number two, number two, always obey instructions. That's number three. Number two, always inquire of the Lord. Number two, inquire of the Lord. That's what David did. He asked for, he asked God, what should I do? You know, it's, it's funny because there's a story in Exodus chapter 14, I believe it is, where Moses says to the people, uh, um, God's fighting for you, you know, just be still. And people love that verse. But the very next verse, God says to Moses, why are you, why are you crying out to me? Go, I told you to go. Because there had already been an inquiry of the Lord and God told them what to do. And so rather than just sit around, oh, you know, God, um, yeah, he's just gonna, he's just gonna do this. I don't have to, you know, inquire of the Lord. What does he want you to do? Because Moses basically got rebuked. He said, what are you, what are you doing? I told you to go, go, <laughs> you know, I told you to move. And so, um, um, we need to, to, to constantly be looking to, to inquire of the Lord and say, Lord, what, what do you, what will you have me do here? Sometimes you're faced with something and you're like, man, I'm not 100% sure how to deal with this. Inquire of the Lord. Seek him in prayer. Seek his wisdom and he'll tell you. And he gave David very specific instructions. And that's number three, obey instructions. If God tells you to do something, obey him specifically, not partially. I mean, what happened when Moses hit the rock twice instead of once? You obey God's instructions specifically. And you might ask yourself, what are God's instructions? Well, it's right here. It's in his word. He tells you what to do. He shows you what to do. He shows you where to go. He shows you where you need to go. I want turn to Joshua chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1. Joshua, if you remember, he was one of the only one of two spies who saw the promised land and said, we can take this land. Remember? He and Caleb. Remember the rest of them? Um, that's true. My dad says, when we seek the Lord for direction, he'll bring his word to our minds that is relevant to the situation. 100%. That's why, you that's why you're constantly in communication with the Lord to, to hear from him, to inquire of him, to get instructions from him. Um, so Joshua, remember, what did the rest of the spies say? The rest of the spies were like, oh, we're not going to be able to take this. Uh, um, they're giants. We look like grasshoppers to them. We're not going to be able to overcome them. And what did Joshua and Caleb say? No, surely we can take this land. And so Joshua, he gets a whole book of the Bible named after him. And he led the people into the promised land. He was a good guy. And Joshua chapter 1 perhaps one of the best chapters in the Bible in understanding how we are to operate as children of God. So let me start at verse five. I won't read the whole thing because it's a long chapter, but I want to focus specifically. Joshua one verses five to nine. No one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. <laughs> when I pray, I thank God and I say, Lord, thank you. Thank you that you never leave me nor forsake me. Thank you that no one, no enemy will, will be able to stand against me. 
Why? Because I carry the authority of Jesus on the inside of me. Because I carry the power of the Holy Spirit on the inside of me. How can any enemy stand against you if that's what you carry? How can any enemy come against you if you carry the Spirit of God on the inside of you? He's no, the, the devil is no match for you. The devil is no match for a, a, a man or a woman who is filled with the Spirit. Who, who carries the authority of God. He's no match for the body of Christ. No one will be able to stand against you. Verse 6. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Never, never allow yourself to let any sort of worry or doubt overtake your mind. Because as soon as that starts to creep in, what happened to Peter when he was walking on water? He was all gung-ho at the beginning, right? And then he started to look and he was like, oh, there's like a lot of waves and, and wind. And, and what happened? He started to doubt. He started to lose faith. And he started to sink. Be strong and courageous. The devil wants your faith to be shaken. Because he knows what happens when there are people who are steadfast in their faith. That's why I can't stand. <sighs> I can't stand people who, who say, oh, you know, uh, you have too much faith. You're like hyper faith. What? Really? Too much faith? Jesus marveled at people who had faith. He marveled. When the centurion came to Jesus, what did Jesus say? I have never seen faith like this. He was amazed. And what happened to people with unbelief? They got rebuked. So don't let anybody come into your, that, that's not, those aren't the people that you should be getting any kind of advice from. If they say to you, well, you have too much faith, you know, what if it doesn't work? That's not, you don't, that's a surefire way for things to not work out for you. If that's the kind of words that you speak, what if it doesn't work out? <laughs> that's the opposite of what Joshua, what Joshua was all about. Because he was the one along with Caleb who said, this is going to work out. We are going to be able to take this land. We have God with us. We are going to be able to conquer our enemies. We're going to be okay. Be strong and courageous. Because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give them. God's, God made a promise and he followed through with that promise. Verse 7, be strong and very courageous. Again, because God, God knows very well how easy it is. What's the opposite of strong and courageous? Um, I guess weak and uh, cowardly? That's not... Is that the opposite? I guess you could say that's the opposite. It would make sense, right? Be strong in the power of his might. Remember, be strong in his mighty power. Not strong in your own strength. Not strong in your own strength. Even David, though he was a conquering hero, knew that he was more powerful because of God that was with him. And it wasn't on his own strength. Be strong and very courageous. Listen to this. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Be careful to obey all the law, to be obedient. What did I say in that third point? Obey instructions. Obey the instructions of the Lord. 
That way you'll be successful wherever you go. You cannot obey God and go backwards. It's not possible. You can't obey God and go down. You know, the Bible says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. You know, let me just turn there for one second. Because, you know what it says? It says, Yea, though I walk through the valley. I don't live in the valley. My address is not 123 Valley Street. I, rather, I'm on the mountaintop with God. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. For you are with me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. My cup runneth over. That's right, Joe. We do need to believe what we read. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. Are we, are we going to run out? No. Are we, are we going to be in forever? No. He guides you into paths of righteousness. Just remember. You might walk through the valley. You don't rest there. You know, don't, don't, don't. And, and, and there's songs like that. Oh, you know, even in the valley. We're not in the valley. We're walking through the valley. We're not staying there. We're not setting up camp there. Be like, well, here I am in the valley. You know, life's a little bit tough. But, you know, no. You're on the mountaintop with God. Verse 8. Joshua 1.8. Do not let... This book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Hmm. Do not let, let this book of the law depart from your mouth. What does that mean? It means we constantly have to be speaking out the things that are found in the word of God. If you're not speaking it, then what are you doing with it? You know, <laughs> you know, let me ask you this. Let's say, um, let's say you, um, you know, you're, 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 you're in a relationship, you know, a new relationship and you know, it's, it's, it's going really well. And, and, and your partner's like, you know, um, you, you, they, and they talk about how much they love you and they say all this stuff and, and, and they go on and on and on about, um, about how great you are and all this stuff. And then they wait for your response and your response is, and you don't say anything. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you might not be in that relationship for much longer. No, there, there's some, there's things that we speak out. Just thinking thoughts. That, that's, <laughs> you can say to your partner, no, but I, I think all those things. Okay, then say them. When you, when you stand up to get married, you're not you're like nodding like, yep. Mm, mm. No, you have to say you have to speak out the vow. That's how uh, uh, um, the marriage becomes solidified because you're speaking a vow. You're saying it out of your mouth. So when the Bible says, do not let uh, um, this law, book of the law depart from your mouth, don't stop speaking it. Exactly, Auntie Julia. Because it's very easy to rather than speaking what the word says, you combat anything in the natural with what the, with what the word says. You're going to run out of money. Nope. The Bible says the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. No, oh, you're going to be broke. Nope. The Lord says, look what it says in Joshua 1, 8, then you will be prosperous and successful. The word says I'll be prosperous, right? 
oh, you know, you're probably going to die young because, you know, um, when you reach, a, you know, this disease runs in your family. So, you know, it killed off everyone else young. That's probably going to be you. No, the Bible says with long life, will I satisfy you? <laughs> That's right. Confirm, confirm you, 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 you need to be in, 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 in confirming what the word says with what comes out of your mouth. If you're a Christian and what comes out of your mouth is the opposite of what the word says, then you don't know the word. You don't know the word, right? You're going to run out of money. The, the, the say you're going to, they're going to take all your property. Nope. Nope. That's not what the Bible says. The Lord says on the head and not the tail. The Lord says, I will lend to many, but I will borrow from none. We're never going to have enough money for this. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. My God owns all the silver and all the gold. He owns a cattle on a thousand hills. How in the world could you ever find yourself in lack? If that's the God that you serve. So confess those things out of your mouth. Remind yourself. You know, the, the Bible says that faith comes by hearing. So if you speak out of your mouth what the word says, even if you don't necessarily, uh, um, even if you don't necessarily feel it uh, um, in your emotions, but don't worry about your emotions anyways, you speak it until you start to believe it. That's true. That's true what my mom said. It's easy. Isn't it easy to encourage others? Isn't it easy to encourage others? Oh, no, no. You, you know, God wants to heal you. You're going to be okay. And then when it comes to your situation, all that comes out of your mouth is doubt. Uh, I know. Um, um, I know God, you know, God said that, but you know, this is a really tough situation. No, that's right, John. Don't, don't, don't bring curses upon yourself. You know? Speak it until you believe it. Because of course in the natural, you're going to look at circumstances and say, oh, how are we going to get through this? They're going to take all our stuff. They're going to put us in a camp. We're gonna, they're going to force feed us crickets. And yeah, okay. Let, let somebody else confess. And I'm not confessing that because I know what my word says. If God even minds the sparrows, aren't we worth more than the sparrows? The promise, that's right, Josie, we have been made uh, heirs to his promises. Let's keep reading verse nine. Exactly, Joe, because <laughs> you can easily undo a lot of work in prayer by, by, by speaking something out of your mouth that's contrary to what you just prayed. You know, pray, Lord, yes, I believe in you. Um, I trust you, you know, and then you get out the door. You see the gas price. Oh man, how am I? I'm going to have to, you know, I'm going to have to stay home from church because I can't, I need to get to work and I can't afford gas. Well, forget it. Everything you just prayed is out the window. Forget it. You might as well have not prayed it. Right? Hey Maria, great to see you. We're at Joshua 1 verse 9. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Again, third time. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. What a promise. The Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Isn't that the kind of truth that we need to remind? And that's why you say it out loud. 
You just saw something on the news that looks bad? Uh, well, what does the Bible say? Don't be terrified or discouraged for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Thank you in advance, Lord, for taking care of me. Thank you in advance for providing for me. Thank you for always being my protector. I, oh, I'm running out of time. Okay, let, let, let's, let's keep going. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Listen, do you, wow, you take captive. I love the word of God. It's so amazing. Take captive every thought. Is there a thought that just came into your head that you don't know how you're going to be able to afford something? Take captive that thought and say, no, no, no set itself up against the knowledge of God. What do I know of God? I know that he's my provider. What do I know of God? I know that he said that I'm going to be prosperous and successful. What do I know of God? That he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. What do I know of God? That he has all the silver and all the gold. What do I know of God? That he's my provider. What do I know of God? That he says he will provide everything according to his riches and glory. So that thought has to be taken captive. Remember what we're fighting. It says we're not fighting the same way that the world fights. So you, you take captive those thoughts. Say, hey, that thought doesn't belong here. That's a great scripture, Philippians 4.8. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, pure, lovely, admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. It's not a sin to have a thought. If it was a, a sin to have a thought, we don't. everybody would be in hell. It's not a, th- a sin to have a thought. But the Bible says, take captive of those thoughts. And the Bible says, think upon things that are excellent and praiseworthy. You know, and that's why it's hard to get me down. Because I, I, sometimes it's like I, I turn off social media. I'm like, I don't want to see this anymore. I want to think about all the good things that God has done. I want to think about all the God-given dreams that he's given me and all the things that I'm going to be doing. That's what I want to think about. It's not that we don't pretend that it doesn't exist, but we take those thoughts captive. One more, another scripture, Ephesians 6, verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you could take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. You know, we we talk about certain subjects, and we say, well, this is the answer to this. It's a band-aid solution, because the root of the problem is evil. Think about a a very big... um, Oof, a very big subject that has been 
talked about a lot lately, especially lately. You know, do you know that sexual sin and perversion is the reason why that's even needed? Because if people lived by Bible sexuality, they wouldn't find themselves in that position. Because the root of the problem is sin. The root of the problem is evil. And so it's, it, it, what we tend to do is we're attacking things or people not realizing that the root of the problem is evil. That there are spiritual forces at work that are come contrary to God and come contrary to the things of God. And those are, are, are what we need to take down in the spiritual. You can't, you can't defeat the devil in the natural. He has to be defeated in the spiritual realm because we're fighting against the principalities of this world in the spiritual realm. I'm not going to finish reading Ephesians 6 because I'm, I'm coming to the end. But read, read Ephesians 6 and read all the things that are in the armor of God. They're spiritual things. They're represented so that we can see it Okay, this is what a shield looks like. This is what a sword looks like. That's why these uh, um, these imagery are used to help us to understand, to put a picture in our mind. But each weapon is a spiritual weapon. Exactly what my dad said. You know, you know what I pray for? You know, I pray for a heightened level of discernment. Like the sons of Issachar, when the Bible says that they, they, could, they knew the times and the seasons that they were living in, right? So that we have the wisdom of God to let us know, okay, these are the things that are happening. This is what you have to contend for in prayer in the spirit. And Bible prophecy does show us all these things that are happening. So we, we're never caught off guard. You're never caught off guard, ever, right? The belt of truth. The breastplate of righteousness, the gospel, uh, feet fitted with the gospel of peace, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit. Yes, those are natural things, right? Because so that we can see what they look like, but they're all spiritual things because that's, those are the weapons of our warfare that we are fighting not against flesh and blood, but we are fighting against evil powers and principalities. And if that's how you look at it, oh, our prime minister is terrible. Well, you, you, you could <laughs> hope that he gets out of office, but the next person right behind him is worse than he is. So you have to understand that it's not about looking at things through our natural eyes, but understanding there needs to be a complete overhaul of the way that this country is run. That people need to be submitted to righteousness and not to evil. Because as soon as you get rid of one, another one comes in its place who does the same thing. So you can't say, well, we got to get rid of him. Yeah, it would be nice if he was gone. But I, the one behind him's worse. So the answer is not to, well, just remove everybody. Until there's nobody left. Get righteous people to run for government. That's a good start. That's a good start. But if there's no candidates that are even righteous, then what do we have to contend for? Believe for this, this country, whatever province you're in, to come back to righteousness. Righteousness exalts a nation, the Bible says. That's the answer. Those are the things you pray for. For a change of heart in people. 
That's what you pray for. Father, I thank you. I thank you for these that are watching or are tuning in later. I thank you for their hunger to hear the word of, of to hear the word of the Lord, to hear your word. Father, I pray that we would remember to stand firm on your promises, to only confess what the word of God says, to be people who are fitted with the full armor of God, ready to take on any spiritual attack of the enemy. And knowing that that spiritual attack, that it manifests itself in the natural. So let us never forget what we're fighting against. That this is a war of good versus evil, of light versus darkness. And we are the light that are to shine in this world. And this light will not be extinguished by any person, by any man, by any government, or by any devil. Because the light shines in the darkness and the darkness cannot over overcome it. So Father, I pray that any area of concern from anybody who's watching right now, that you would remind them from your word that there is a scripture for every situation, that they know that they can combat anything in the natural with your word that is alive, like a double-edged sword, that is powerful, that is living and breathing. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, Father, I pray for anybody who might be watching tonight that doesn't know you, that, that hasn't come into covenant with you. If, if, if someone's watching here tonight, let them pray this prayer. Let them, let them pray this prayer and enter into covenant with you and enter into uh, be, becoming saved. Repeat this after me if you're watching and, and you don't know if you've ever been saved and you don't know if you've ever made a decision for the Lord. Pray this out loud, out of your mouth. Father, I thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to set me free. I accept Jesus as my Lord and my Savior. I believe in my heart that Jesus rose from the dead, that you rose him from the dead. So I confess of my sin and repent of my wrongdoing. I choose to follow Jesus all the days of my life. Thank you that I am saved. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen for anybody who prayed that, who now has entered into covenant with you, who's now a child of God. We're all your creation, but we don't become your children until we acknowledge you as our father and until we come into right relationship with your son. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Just, just thank him out of your mouth wherever you are. If you're outside, good. The neighbors will hear you. They need to. <laughs> Just thank him. Just give him all the praise and all the honor and the glory. Thank him for his word. Thank you for his word that never fails. Thank you for his promises that never fail. That they're yes and amen for the breaking down of strongholds. And those strongholds that exist in the natural shall be broken in the spiritual. Canada is not dead yet. As we come to a point where we celebrate this country, celebrate it and know that it's not yet too far gone, that it will be saved because I'm here and you're here. And so long as our feet are planted on this soil, this country is not dead. This, this world is not falling apart. It's falling into place in Jesus name. Amen. <laughs>